Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This week's episode of Harry Potter and the Sacred Text is brought to you by Prose. Casper, I just got a wonderful, wonderful haircut. It looks so good. Thank you. I feel great with it. But I cut off over a foot of hair, and that means my long hair was sort of pulling my curls in one way. And now that I have short hair, I need a totally different hair care routine. Mm. Luckily, Prose is made for people not hair and skin types, personalization is rooted in everything they do, from their in-depth consultation to their made-to-order model. And so I used the review and refine feature, and I was like, yes, I still want vegan hair care products. Yes, I still want to smell like a lavender field, (laughs) but my hair is no longer long. It is short to medium length. Please send me a different formula of shampoo and conditioner. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin that they're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash Harry Potter. So you get your free consultation and then 50% off at pros.com slash Harry Potter. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash Harry Potter. Chapter 7. Bagman and Crouch. Harry disentangled himself from Ron and got to his feet. They had arrived on what appeared to be a deserted stretch of Misty Moor. In front of them was a pair of tired and grumpy-looking wizards, one of whom was holding a large gold watch. I'm Casper Terkyle. And I'm Vanessa Zoltan. And this is Harry Potter and the Sacred Text. Vanessa, a couple of weeks ago, you offered a challenge to anyone who could write an iTunes review for the show involving the word tiger. And I thought it was a terrible idea, but I was so wrong because, oh my God, some of the tiger references that people worked in, and I should give a special shout out to Wind Cries Amy, Positively Forthest, Veronica T, uh, CMR underscore OH, and Lisa Lynn Kin, because there were some real winners. Using the phrase Eye of the Tiger. Like the 30-second recap was like an Eye of the Tiger, like Rocky theme warm-up song. Yeah, there was something about enjoying the podcast with their tiger mom. These were like really sophisticated uses. Some of them were stretching it like a tiger never changes its stripes, which, you know, inventive. That's an expression. No, isn't it? Leopard doesn't change its spots. Spots. But still, good work. Yeah, yeah. So I'll never doubt you again, Vanessa. Doubt me sometimes. I have bad ideas. This just wasn't one of them. (laughs) So, Vanessa, I know you've been working on something really exciting, kind of 
building on the podcast and taking it out into the world. Yes. So when I wrote my thesis on treating Jane Eyre as a sacred text, the three sacred practices I talked about were reading, writing, and walking. And I'm very excited to be launching a Virginia Woolf walking pilgrimage. So it's going to be next summer, June 3rd through 9th in Sussex, England. That's where I'm from. I know. But Sussex is beautiful. And this is the landscape in which Virginia lived and wrote and loved. Yes. She loved a lot of people. We're going to go to her house. We're going to be staying at Tilton House, which is a place with tremendous history in South Downs National Park. And then we're going to head down to the sea and walk around the Seven Sisters on the Sussex Sea. It should be a really beautiful and special trip. Stephanie Paulsell, friend of the podcast, is going to be co-leading it with me. And so if you're interested, there's going to be a link on our website or you can go to readingandwalkingwith.com and sign up for the newsletter to be the first to find out when registration goes live just in two days on November 18th. Spots are very limited. We can only take 13 people. It sounds amazing. Thanks, Casper. It's time for our story. Vanessa, what do you have for us today? I was lucky enough to turn 25 years old in Florence, Italy, with two of my favorite people in the world, my older brother and my best friend, Kim. And it was super fun. Kim and David were like, we're going to plan your birthday night. So they bought like Asiago cheese and a loaf of ciabatta bread. And they were like, we'll sit on a bridge and we'll overlook the Ponte Vecchio, the famous bridge over the Arno River, and we're just going to have a beautiful night. And I was like, ooh, sounds fun. Thank you. But what they didn't tell me is that my birthday happens to also be St. John the Baptist Day, and he's the patron saint of Florence. And, like, the entire town comes out. And so, like, tens of thousands of people come, and there's live music and children running around with face paint and sparklers, and it's just, like, the cutest, sweetest night ever. We watch the sunset over the river, and the Ponte Vecchio has those three famous, like, cutout arcs. So you can actually, like, watch the sunset sort of through the Ponte Vecchio, and then we watch this incredible incredible fireworks display. And again, you can like watch the fireworks sort of like falling over the river through the bridge. And I was there and I was eating the best food with the best people and watching the most beautiful thing. Twitter didn't exist yet, but I still felt hashtag blessed. So we went back to the hostel and David and Kim fell asleep. But I was just still like so moved by it that I was like, I'm going to do research about the Ponte Vecchio. And so I got our guidebook and I was reading about the Ponte Vecchio. And it turns out that the reason for these arcs was actually done. This guy Mussolini put those three holes in so this guy Hitler would have a better view of the river from his hotel room. I was like, huh, interesting. Not what I thought, but okay. And then I keep reading about the bridge. And the reason that the Ponte Vecchio sticks out is because it is one of the only bridges that is still intact in Florence. Because in World War II, while the Germans were retreating, they blew up all the bridges for tactical reasons. But Hitler was like, no, no, this is my bridge. So they didn't blow up the entirety of the Ponte Vecchio. So it still exists in this pristine beauty. And I was laying in bed that night and I was like, "Okay, so this magnificent thing exists for these really weird reasons. And I was just reminded of that realization in reading this chapter about the Quidditch World Cup because this incredible thing is happening, right? Like we're watching little kids on brooms and people from all over the world are coming together. And then we're also finding out about like the weird bickering that happens in the ministry and the little corruptions that happen of the Weasleys get tickets because they know so-and-so. And 
And so I was reminded of just how complicated beautiful situations can be and how much gross, ugly things have to happen in order to allow something beautiful to exist and whether we're okay with those compromises. So I'm excited to talk to you about the theme of beauty, Casper. It's so interesting. I had no idea about that history. And it made me think of even just kind of the way in which New England was forested and then cleared. Like there's so much at play when we look at something beautiful or even jewelry, you know, like where does that come from? The mines, the working conditions. But before we dive into this conversation, Vanessa, it's time for our 30-second recap. How are you doing? Okay. You ready? Yeah. Okay, here we go. Three, two, one, go. So they land um, at the Quidditch World Cup, and everybody falls except Cedric and Arthur and uh, whatever, the other guy, Cedric's Mr. Diggory. And um, it's just, like, incredible. There's so much camping, and wizards really don't know how to wear uh, muggle clothes, and it's funny and sort of transphobic, but okay. And then they go down to get water, and they run into all these people, and it's like, Ireland, yeah, sure, I'm going to be rooting for Ireland, not Bulgaria. And then and we um, meet Ludo Bagman, and he's sort of weird, and Percy is called Weatherby. I'm glad you ended with the most salient detail there. <laughs> I was wondering how you felt about that. That must have been really embarrassing for you. I mean, Percy. On your mark, get set, go. So this chapter introduces us to two vital characters, Ludo Bagman and Barty Crouch. Um, and like Bagman is kind of this low-level gambling, right? Like he pushes the, the the Weasley boys, the twins, to gamble like a lot of money. And um, Arthur bets a little bit of money. And then Barty Crouch is like, and like very organized and everything. And then they're worrying about the Bulgarian diplomat, but he's actually going to speak a lot of English later. So spoiler alert. And um, yeah, we just see like a ton of Hogwarts people enjoying the Quidditch World Cup together. It's really fun. And and Victor Crumb is on a poster everywhere. <laughs> we also find out that, like, it makes Ron feel icky that Harry has so much more money. Right. We see that again. There's just, like, a lot of character development and details. Is. There is. Mm-hmm. And the tents are bigger. There's a lot of stuff that happens. Yeah. It's a beautiful chapter. You guys should reread it. <laughs> the book is called Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. <laughs> so, Casper, where did you see this theme of beauty in this chapter? It's funny that you were describing the Ponte Vecchio in your story because I was really struck just by the physical beauty that happens in this chapter. You know, the Weasleys and Harry and Hermione arrive on this hill and although it's very misty, they can't see far. As the mist clears, they see this kind of city of tents. And I imagined a sort of wizarding Burning Man maybe, but like there's this beauty of scale that has erected in just a few days, maybe a couple of weeks, right? There's flags, there's chimneys, there's decorative elements on these kind of new structures. And especially with that kind of early morning light and mist, the moisture of the dew on the grass, I just felt transported by that kind of vista. And as we know, again, like your story, there's this complicated context because this land mostly belongs to muggles, as we know. We've got Mr. Roberts, who's one of the muggles whose land it is. And they, you know, one good thing about the Wizarding World is that they're paying him for using his land. But he needs to be obliviated like 10 times a day, we learn, because people are starting to become less and less muggleish, both in what they're wearing and what they're doing. And so, I don't know, making someone forget their own history while you're using their land, it doesn't sound totally unfamiliar. No, especially while sitting in Massachusetts. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I get very disappointed with Arthur in this moment because he is apparently this, like, pro-muggle guy. And he just handles this interaction with Mr. Roberts so poorly. Mm. I don't 
don't know about you, but before I'm going to another country where I don't speak the language, I try to learn a few phrases and I try to acquaint myself with the money. And Mr. Weasley knew that he was going to have to do something in pounds because he got pounds out of the bank. And he's standing there and having this interaction. He's like, oh, is this a 10? Is this a 20? And he has to have Harry come over and help him figure out muggle money. And then Mr. Roberts is like, oh, are you foreign? Which is a fair meaning making (laughs) thing to do, right? You wouldn't expect a fellow countryman to not know how to use money. And Mr. Weasley is like, foreign? Why would you think that? And I just feel like, of course, Mr. Roberts has to be obliviated all the time. And there could be more effort put in to not delete his memory, right? Like there is a way to do it in which at least he wouldn't have to be obliviated as often. Yeah. And it's Arthur is such a contradiction because when they're setting up the tents, he's saying no magic allowed. You know, let's put up the tents in the muggle way. So he is trying in some places and maybe maybe he didn't think about the money. Is he trying or is that fun? It's like learning how to do a plug, you know, kind of rewire a plug. He's like, oh, this is something that will bring enjoyment for the whole family. Right. Like he's having so much fun trying to figure out how to light those matches. Right. 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 And so it made me think of his fascination with muggles in a different light Mm. of rather than of a genuine interest in getting to know them and muggle wizard relations, which I'm sure is part of it. But it also seems like exoticizing muggles. Yeah, it's kind of like visiting them in their natural habitat, which... And we've talked about this before. When he came to the Dursleys, there was very little thoughtfulness in terms of his arrival or communication, like very little understanding or attempts to understand even. Yeah. So it just made me wonder, you know, if even Arthur isn't respecting muggles, no wonder Voldemort, right? It is making me think about how the most progressive among us still hold racist and bigoted points of view and that we need to reckon with that within ourselves because often I think we can feel smug about other people's more racist, more bigoted opinions, but we're all complicit in these things. And especially because later we'll see Death Eaters running through the Wizarding World Cup, you know, through all the tents. And when I first read the books, I saw that as a real distinction from this kind of lovely, familial, fun and games moment in the narrative. And actually, we're already seeing the seeds of the disposability of muggles at this point in the page, the ways in which their memories are obliviated, the ways in which people are already kind of not investing in understanding how, how their world works. There is so much about memory in this chapter. There's the obliviations, and we meet an obliviator. And Harry says, I'm going to buy these three omnioculars, and it'll be your Christmas present, and for many more Christmases to come, right? He's he's basically making it okay for Ron to accept this gift, which is expensive, even though they both know that by the time Christmas comes, they're both going to have forgotten this moment to allow Harry to still give him a gift in some way. And so... I don't know. It's just interesting the way in which we bank on remembering some things and forgetting on others to allow a moment to be beautiful because so many memories are actually not really what happened. We forget all of the ugliness and we just remember that one view and we forget about the hard walk and the climb and the way you nearly twisted your ankle on the way down the mountain or the argument you had with your dad and you only remember the concert. Do you know what I mean? 
Yeah, absolutely. It's why second children exist, right? So you forget all about the first one? No, women forget about the pain of childbirth and the, like, you know, months of sleepless nights. And, like, we only remember how meaningful it was that that first smile was reflected back to us. And so we're like, oh, I miss having a baby. And so you have a second one. Thank God for forgetting because I wouldn't exist. Well, I do wonder if actually beauty necessitates forgetfulness. Like nothing can be beautiful without forgetting the rest. Oh, absolutely. I mean, while looking at the Ponte Vecchio, there has to be a second that you're not thinking about Hitler in order to enjoy the view. Do you think I've just ruined the Ponte Vecchio for all of our listeners? I have to say, I'm never going to think about it in the same way. (laughs) It's still so beautiful, though. This is beautiful, right? It is. And, like, it's so fun to watch all of these different cultures together. You know, we see it through Harry's eyes that he had no idea that there were wizards all over the world. But, of course, there are. And, obviously, some of it is written in, like, not the most sensitive. Right. Like Ali Bashir on his flying carpet. and Yeah. There's a a little bit of stereotyping happening in some of it. But I think that, overall, the feeling is one of awe. And just, like, the sheer beauty of relationships and... It reminded me a lot of Obama's inauguration. More people came than ever before to this inauguration, and there wasn't a single arrest. There wasn't a single fight, like no violence at all at this thing. And it just felt like everybody came together to have a beautiful experience, and it was incredible. And, like, that seems to be what we're seeing here. Like, I know that this sort of terrorist thing is going to happen soon, but in this chapter, you just see the beauty of it. It reminded me so much of the London Olympics, which had had so much like storm and drang, like stress. And and you know what Brits are like. They're going to be moaning about everything before the event. But as soon as it started, there was this sense of, you know, people from all over the world being in this city for the same spectacular event that celebrated, you know, human potential and achievement and which... Especially with the Olympics, yes, you're cheering on for your team and you hope to do well in the medals table, but there's an Olympic ideal that is higher than nationalism. And I feel like we have a taste of that here with the Quidditch World Cup where, you know, Harry and the Weasleys are not Irish and they're not Bulgarian, but they love Quidditch. And they even want Ireland to win, but they want Crumb to catch the snitch, right? That's the bet that the boys make. So I feel like they're loving the game itself. That's the beauty of the experience. Yeah. And I mean, we also see that with what Ron buys, right? He buys, you know, some Irish things to wear, but he buys the crumb figurine. And and I think that by coming together in this way and just seeing somebody who looks totally different from you camping, you're like, right, they have a whole culture. This country isn't just Brazil or whatever. Mm. It is it's a whole world. And I think that even just these moments of seeing each other can really spark that for the rest of your life. Absolutely. And when you when you look at peace building efforts, and I'm thinking even between the US and the USSR during the Cold War, so much was exchanges of choirs or sporting events. You know, it was a way to humanize one another out of the narratives of difference. You know, I think that's what's happening here as well. There's this magical celebration and it doesn't invisibilize difference, but it frames it within a larger story of ultimate something that is shared. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. 
They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This week's episode of Harry Potter and the Sacred Text is brought to you by Pros. Casper, I just got a wonderful, wonderful haircut. It looks so good. Thank you. I feel great with it. But I cut off over a foot of hair, and that means my long hair was sort of pulling my curls in one way. And now that I have short hair, I need a totally different hair care routine. Mm. Luckily, Pros is made for people. Not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do, from their in-depth consultation to their made-to-order model. And so I used the review and refine feature, and I was like, yes, I still want vegan hair care products. Yes, I still want to smell like a lavender field, (laughs) but my hair is no longer long. It is short to medium length. Please send me a different formula of shampoo and conditioner. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin that they're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash Harry Potter. So you get your free consultation and then 50% off at pros.com slash Harry Potter. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash Harry Potter. There is one funny moment, though, in the text, which Harry and Ron are walking to get water. And so they run into some of their classmates. And in the Ireland section, they see Seamus Finnegan and his mom, who is, of course, Irish. And she says, ah, why shouldn't we show our colours? You'll be supporting Ireland, of course. That's how she says it? (laughs) To be honest, that's nearly a West Country accent, but it'll do. But what I love in that moment is Ireland has, you know, for hundreds of years been occupied by England. England is a colonial force. And some would say, you know, Northern Ireland is still an occupation. And you could read kind of an undercurrent of resistance forcing the Brits to support Ireland. And it's just this beautiful moment of poetic justice of getting the Brits to support Ireland. Yeah. You've oppressed us. Now root for us. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) The least you can do. Yeah. So, Casper, we have a not-so-beautiful moment here where your boss, Mr. Crouch, calls you Weatherby. <laughs> I like that we're no longer even differentiating between where I end and where Percy starts. I mean, it's just very fuzzy to me. So <laughs> what do you make of that? It's complicated because they work together, first of all, and we all make mistakes. And maybe there's someone else, you know, maybe his old intern was called Weatherby and he just gets confused with W words. But it's not just about Percy, it's also about Arthur. And Arthur has a much more long-standing career within the ministry. But he knows Arthur's name. He says Arthur. He says Arthur. So, it, so he just doesn't know they're related, maybe? Oh, so maybe Percy is, like, distancing himself <gasps> from Arthur. And maybe so he Percy has, hasn't told him that Arthur is his dad. Yeah. Totally breakthrough idea. What if Percy has told him his name is Weatherby? Oh, so he doesn't know he's a Weasley. He doesn't know he's a Weasley. And Percy is pretending to be embarrassed, but really he's like, I'm embarrassed that he's going to realize that I'm actually a Weasley. 
Oh, but surely he would have thought that through. I love that in a place where Percy's really clearly being embarrassed, I'm still able to rescue it <laughs> and make him smart. <laughs> but, you know, let's let's take it as written and imagine that Crouch doesn't know that Percy's last name is Weasley. I mean, it says a lot about Barty Crouch, perhaps, that he is that he only thinks about his own problems. But also, Percy should have corrected him on the first day, right? Yeah. We've all done that, where someone calls you by the wrong name, and then it's five years later, and you're like, no, I'm just Sarah to that person, and it is what it is. But it's also his first job, you know, out of school. Absolutely. I just, I think we can only blame Crouch so much. At a certain point, you're letting someone call you by the wrong name, and it's annoying that the onus is on the victim in that place, but... I don't know. Crouch was never corrected. And so he thinks he's calling him by the right name. And there is a beautiful moment where he does take tea from him. Even though he doesn't really drink it. And that looks like, you know, he's really trying to honor the invitation that he's being offered by his hosts while he's standing because the Weasley tent is on this thoroughfare. So Arthur kind of describes all the different ministry people that we meet. And Crouch is nice enough to say, thank you. Yes, I will take some tea. Especially because he doesn't take it from Bagman. I think this shows that he has respect for Percy in a way he doesn't for Ludo. I agree. For Percy Weatherby. Vanessa, it's time for our spiritual practice, and we are returning to Chavruta. And to remind ourselves, we're looking to find a spark of truth that lives between us. Chavruta is always about a partner conversation over a text. And the fun is to come up with a question that you don't quite fully think you have an answer for, but you have a proposal to kind of get things going. So I want to ask this. The twins, George and Fred Weasley, have just had all of their stock taken and destroyed by Molly Weasley back at the burrow, and they still have some money left that they've brought to the Quidditch World Cup. When Ludo Bagman comes up and asks Arthur if he might want to bet, Arthur kind of is forced into making a bet, and the twins then volunteer that they are going to put all of their savings, a significant amount of money, on a bet that Ireland will win, but Crum will win the snitch. Why do they bet all of this money? It's a ton of money, and they've just had all their stock taken. And the only reason I can come up with is, you know, sometimes when you're really angry and you just, you're so frustrated and you just don't care anymore. I don't know, maybe maybe you've missed your flight and you really need to get home and you're like, I don't care if I'm going to go into debt to buy this flight. I need to get there now. I think maybe the, the boys are so distraught and are just clutching at straws because they've got nothing left. They're like, go big or go home. This is our last chance saloon. So I don't know. I mean, that resonates with me. It's a point where you're like, do you know what? I'm just going to let the fates decide. Right. Like, we've gotten a stroke of really bad luck. And if it's meant to be, then we'll double our money. And if not, then fine. We'll start all over. We have to start all over anyway. What is interesting is that any entrepreneur has to have a sort of high tolerance for risk. Because, you know, if it was obviously guaranteed that you'd succeed, you wouldn't be the first person to try it. And an entrepreneur has to be willing to make a financial investment often that isn't necessarily going to pay off. So I think we see some entrepreneurial spirit. But it's the stakes are so high. I mean, we know that money is a challenge for the Weasleys. It's not something you just throw around. And like, do they get any sort of promissory note? I don't see any magical spells binding Ludo to repaying the debt, which, by the way, he isn't going to. Do they hand him his money later when they don't get their winnings from Ludo? Does Ludo make off with their money? Yes. They not only don't get 
their winnings, yeah. they get robbed. I think so. Casper, maybe this is partially, to your point, a further rebellion of Mrs. Weasley. It's like, if you don't believe in us, we are going to believe in ourselves so hard that we are betting everything we have on this. Mm. I wonder if Molly's rejection of their ambition has sort of pushed them to rebel further and further. Yeah, it feels like they're making a point. I mean, Mr. Weasley says under his breath, I don't want you betting. That's all of your savings. Your mother. That's the last thing that he says before the bet is made. And I wonder if it exactly like you're saying, this is really about kind of saying, well, screw you. If you don't believe in us, if you don't support us, I'm done with your values. I don't care anymore. I think that this shows us that completely shutting someone down or like telling them that you just don't approve without asking questions is just going to push them further and further away. And I know that it must be incredibly hard for Molly to watch them make these decisions. But I do think we're seeing the fallout of a really profound parenting error of her just constantly judging them rather than talking to them. Yeah. I'm also just wondering if by destroying all of that stock, right, they're going to need a large amount of cash to rebuy the ingredients and whatever else they need to rebuild the stock. And so 15 galleons actually isn't that much. Like they need way more or it's never going to happen. And this is the fastest way that they can see getting back to that big number. They're definitely not going to ask your boyfriend Percy for a loan. No. Maybe they think Harry will help them out. Yeah, I also wonder if this is a way for them to signal to people around them, right? Like, they don't pull Bagman aside. They do this in full view. It's public, you're right. Right. So I think that they're in part showing Arthur, like, look, this is how committed we are. And there's no shame associated with this. They could do this on the sly. And I do think with risk-taking, it's something very difficult to do alone, but the twins are never alone, right? They've probably talked each other into this, and they've said, you know, even if we lose it all, we'll have tried. Like, this is the best way that we can see. I don't know. I feel like that's something that's so beautiful about the twins throughout the books is that they, they're they so brave. I mean, when they leave Hogwarts, they are in one perspective, throwing away their education. They're throwing away everything that would lead to a stable, happy life. But they have this dream of what's possible. And together, they can do it. And they do. Which is what makes it even more tragic that Fred dies. But their relationship is so beautiful. And I do think that it's a call to all of us to remember that we're braver when we're together. I never would have done this project if not for you. It's time for our ad. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
it. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This week's voicemail comes from Emily Pickens. Hi, Vanessa and Casper. This is Emily calling from the Bronx in New York City. I just finished listening to your last episode, Mystery, and wanted to share some thoughts and offer a blessing. I really appreciated Zach's story. There's such a great need for foster parents who care for and love kids who are in foster care as if they're their own. I work in child welfare defending parents who are accused of neglect. All too often, foster care, foster kids' experience uh, is more like Harry's with the Dursleys. All of the parents I work with want desperately to have their children back in their care, and we're often accused of neglect because of the poverty they lived in or because of a lack of social supports and resources. Too often, the system paints them as villains who have personally failed when we should look, be looking at oppressive systems like racism, poverty, or lack of access to health care, or inadequate housing that puts families in really challenging situations. In my work, I try to advocate for families to keep their children safely at home and, and try to connect families to resources that they need to do this. So I wanted to share a blessing for any mother, father, or caregiver who's fighting through obstacles and adversity to reunite with their children and keep their families together. As we learned through Harry's deep yearning for his parents through the books. Family is one of the most important human connections and something we all need. Thank you so much, Emily. Thank you for that beautiful blessing and for the amazing work that you do supporting children and families. I can't imagine anything better to be investing your time in. Thank you. Casper, now is the time where we get to bless a character from the chapter. Who would you like to bless this week? My blessing this week is a joint one. I'm blessing Hermione and Harry because they're building the tent together. I feel like setting up a tent is one of those not only like physically complex, like mathematical challenges, but it's also like hard emotional work because everyone can look at how you're setting up the tent. And if you get it wrong, the stakes are high. The thing may flood. Everything can go wrong. I'm obviously speaking from numerous previous experiences. So I just wanted to give a blessing for anyone who's like doing that hard thing on behalf of other people, even when they really, really don't want to. I think we've all been there. How about you, Vanessa? I am going to offer a blessing to Hermione. There's a moment where she gets a fit of the giggles and a moment that I feel like probably does not live up to her values. There is a wizard who, I mean, says something genuinely funny about liking a breeze around his nether parts. But he isn't dressing, quote unquote, like gender appropriate as a wizard in muggle clothing. And I just feel like that's something that Hermione would usually be really sensitive to. And she has this moment of insensitivity. And I feel like we've all been caught in those moments where we get the giggles at the wrong moment and we're not living up to our values and it just feels gross. So I want to offer a blessing for those moments in which we're not being our best selves and we can't quite help it. And, you know, that we should forgive ourselves in order to try better next time rather than focusing on shame. So a blessing to all of us who just sort of mess up sometimes. 
You've been listening to Harry Potter and the Sacred Text. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, and Facebook, and leave us a review on iTunes. And please send us a two-minute voicemail at harrypottersacredtext at gmail.com. Next week, we'll be reading the Quidditch World Cup through the theme of fandom, and we'll have special guest Kevin T. Porter from the Gilmore Guys and Good Christian Fund. This episode of Harry Potter and the Sacred Text was produced by Ariana Nettleman, Casper Terkyle, and me, Vanessa Zoltan. Our music is by Ivan Paisau and Nick Boll, and we are part of the Panoply Network. You can find ours and other great shows on panoply.fm. And for those of you who are interested in joining on the Virginia Wolf pilgrimage, again, that website is readingandwalkingwith.com. This week's voicemail is thanks to Emily Pickens. Our social media manager is Harshi Hedegay. We'd like to thank Rebecca and Charlie Ludley and Stephanie Paulsell, and a special thanks this week to Lauren Panzano, who helped me think through how to tell the Ponte Vecchio story. You know that the pilgrimage is just around your house. <laughs> just, We're just going to walk in circles around your house. Seeing gonna, something new every time. Your, your childhood bedroom. <laughs> We're very excited about all of that.